Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. So today I have with me Pamela Evans, author of Ring Exchange, Life Lessons from a Multiple Marrier. And I was the one who narrated this title, and I did it under the name Becky Parker, and it is now available at audible.com. So thanks for being here, Pam. Thank you for having me on. So I would like to jump right into some of the things that I really love about your book. Um, And one is the opening quote. You say in the opening quote, may my one small voice gently offer words of encouragement to the disenchanted and discouraged. May it lift the spirits of those who need that extra boost of self-esteem. And may it open the hearts and minds of people everywhere so that they may be able to understand and accept those of us who have found ourselves on a unique life track. So share with us, if you would, a bit about your mission or your vision for how Ring Exchange can help your audiobook listeners. Great. Well, you know, Pew Research says that there are 5% of U.S. adults out there who are multiple married. Those are people who have been married three times or more. So it doesn't sound like a big group, but we are hiding in the shadows. We often don't tell our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors. It's that deep, dark secret that we struggle with. And so I wanted to reach out to those people who are struggling with their past, and they don't feel like they can open up. They're afraid they're going to be judged. And I wanted them to know that You are a new person. You're not the same person you were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and that you should be defined by who you are today. And if you're a wonderful teacher, if you're a wonderful coach, if you're a wonderful um, cybersecurity executive, that's what matters. And most important, that you're a kind, compassionate individual. And all of this other stuff and the mistakes you've made in the past just, just don't allow that to define you. Yeah, we do get caught up in that. I think that it seems like the human journey is so filled with ways in which we feel like we are either uh, minimized or excluded or not as good ever as everyone else or have these deep secrets that are that are really just a part of our human journey. So I love that you're bringing this forward because all the people who have married multiple times and are feeling like, oh my gosh, is there something wrong with me because of this? And then you bring us that, that, uh, that great message of, nope, there's nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong. You know, we are each on a special journey of our own. So one of the other things that I really love is uh, you clearly have a real sense of humor in the book about life with multiple husbands. I think that helps a lot, you know, especially when we're dealing with something where we maybe feel that um, that pain of not being certain if we're okay, you know, to bring that lightheartedness to it. So 
what do you think helps keep you so lighthearted about what can be such an emotional swamp for so many people? Well, you know, your personality has a lot of different facets. One side of me is a very serious, determined, focused side. The other side is a little more bouncy, lighthearted, and cheerful. And I have found that being optimistic and hopeful and cheerful and sometimes uh, injecting humor into myself uh, helps me deal with stress. And I find it actually humor can be uh, something that I would consider to be a strength point. And uh, I also believe it helps me be relatable to others, particularly when you find yourself in an awkward situation. Most of us have found ourselves in those types of situations. We'll say, wow, that probably happened to somebody else. We're just not <laughs> talking about it. Right. Yeah. I think that's so true. You know, having that uh, that positive attitude just really does help. And And I like that you're acknowledging, you know, that that doesn't mean that you're making jokes about everything or even about this topic, but that, that you can just look at it with um, a bit of perspective, you know, that it's that the whatever emotional pain of the moment is not forever, for one thing, and also that uh, getting through it, humor can really, really help. So much so. Yeah. There's a, a section in one chapter of the book that talks about one of my marriages, and has to do with bat do, believe it or not. <laughs> and looking back, that was a sign, that was an omen that this marriage wasn't going to last. And it's a very humorous scene, but it's real. It happened in real life that just a couple of hours before the wedding was to take place in my husband-to-be's prep school chapel, we were cleaning bat do off the pews. And I'm saying, good Lord, it's a good thing we're not having a candlelight service. Dracula might come out. So it's just, you know, those things really happened to me. Yeah. And I thought they would be funny to share. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, you know, and I think most of us head into marriage, of course, with the idea that it's going to be forever, right? So, I mean, we state that in our vows and we expect that and we're looking forward to that. And then you know, things can go awry. So I'm wondering if after your second divorce, after you'd been through it twice that you thought it was going to be forever, did you think there would be another husband in your future at that point? I mean, let alone that there would be even more than that? Yes, because I had never lived alone. I identified with being in a couple I left home when I was 18, so uh, that was the first time I got married. And, and honestly, to leave home, even though I was raised in a loving home, my parents were very strict, so I would have married Godzilla to get out of the house, quite frankly. <laughs> but marriage was all I knew, so mm. I just went from one situation to the next, hoping that I would find someone who could take care of me financially, emotionally. And give me the security, the emotional security I was looking for. I did a talk about a year ago about just that, that the problem is when we enter relationships, we're usually ill-prepared, we have unrealistic expectations, and we have zero self-awareness. Right. And that was me going from one situation to the next. And often the drivers that cause us to seek a relationship are negative. If you think about it, how many times have we entered into a relationship because we couldn't stand being alone, or because right. we wanted social status, or because emotionally we were insecure, or financially we needed the safety and security of someone else? If you think about it, 
whether you get married or not, people who are seeking committed relationships are often coming from a place not of personal power and strength right. and happiness and joy, but from a position of need. I need okay. someone to help me be happy. And that's where I was coming from. I just didn't know it. Right. Now that absolutely makes sense. And I, uh, I, I understand that I've I've been married twice, <laughs> um, but I I totally hear what you're saying, and so uh, all the more why we need voices like yours to come forward and and help us to understand what's going on when we're going from one relationship to another and wondering why we can't find that one that feels like the right one, you know, it may feel right for a little while and then. And then not, right? Um, so People say you get lucky in love, but luck is not a strategy. Right. Strategize in our careers. We set goals and objectives and we make action items and we forecast. We do all those things, but we never really do that in our personal lives. And that's where I'm a little bit different from a dating coach or a relationship coach for that matter. They can give you products and services that will help you on your dating endeavors or if you're in a couple situation already and you're healthy and you just need some guidance, a relationship coach can help you a great deal. And there is a purpose for both those types of coaches. I'm a relationship strategist because I say you have to do three things. You have to first look in the rearview mirror before you go on to the next greener pasture. Mm-hmm. And most people don't want to do this because you say, I'm done. I don't want to even think about it. I couldn't stand that person. I'm going to find somebody better. But no, you have to take accountability. You have to run the videotape again and look at the pros and cons. Look at what you contributed or didn't and what your partner did and learn from that. Right. Uh, the next thing you need to do is evaluate where you are in your life. And envision the type of lifestyle you'd like to lead going forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to move to Sweden, then with or without a partner, maybe you have to take Swedish language classes. Maybe you need to go over there on a temporary assignment to see if you'd like living there. You have to prepare yourself and strategize rather than just jumping from one situation to the next because you're going to get a poor result if you do. And thirdly, Once you envision that lifestyle that you think would make you happy, you need to be prepared to go it alone, with or without a partner. It could take time. It could never happen. But you have to bring joy. You have to make your own sunshine. And if you do that, then if somebody comes along, you're going to be able to discuss values and interests, boundaries. You're going to be able to align yourself with that person. And if you take the time to vet yourself to understand who you are and what makes you happy, that's number one. And step number two is you bet that partner. Yeah. Do that in hours and a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would go from one marriage and within a year or so be married again. I didn't have time to see my partner in a variety of situations. Mm. And I didn't have time to ask those deep questions, those hypothetical questions. What would you do if I got a job transfer overseas? What would you do if a relative came to live with us temporarily? What would you do if I was in a car accident and I had a long-term disability because of it? How would we do this together? Right. A lot of people don't have those conversations early on because they're afraid they're going to scare off the other party. Right. You know? Yeah. They don't say, I have an issue with shopping. I need help. 
I'm not very good with money. That doesn't come out until you're in a committed relationship. You're living with one another and the boxes and bags are coming in and your partner's saying, I didn't know this about you. Right. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. again, I think, you know, we need to step back, not be quite so impulsive. Mm-hmm. And um, before we really begin that search, be ready for it. Yeah. So it's really about taking responsibility for ourselves, right? And you're talking about, you know, uh, being our own sunshine. When we empower ourselves in that way, we become a much, much more prepared for partnership. But also, um, I think probably in many ways, more attractive as a partner, right? Because we're not coming with quite so much of that need. I think anytime two people come into a relationship where one is feeling a, a great deal of need for the other, that it's it's always a danger sign. You know? I was one of those. I was a poodle on a pant leg. Look mm-hmm. at me. I need you. Don't go away. Hang in yeah. there. Yeah. And uh, my current husband, we've been married almost six years, and we've been together 14. So uh, I road tested this one this time. <laughs> but great. he was the one who told me, I would say about two years into the relationship, he said, Pam, I love you. I'm not going away, but you've got to get a life. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, you know, I'm raising uh, two sons. I'm co-parenting. I'm in a startup. And I would love to spend 100% of my time with you, but I just can't. And you need to find something else that makes you tick. What, what are you passionate about? What are you excited about? And I said, well, I only have you and work. Mm. So he said, well, do you, uh, what are you? What hobbies would you like to explore? And I said, well, I like to sing. He said, well, maybe you should get a karaoke machine. But at any rate, yeah. I remember being very hurt when I heard those words, you have to get a life. But it was a lesson for me that I had to emotionally stand on my own two feet, and I had to be happy just with Pam. Yeah. Well, congratulations for you being able to take that in and take action on that. And in that relationship for him to be, it seems like to be able to even say that to somebody that you love, you have to trust that they're not going to run away when you say something like that is what you feel true, you know. So I think that's a real kudos to both of you. Well, thank you. And I did get a life coach. I'm all about coaching. Yeah. That, that helped me a great deal. And I started being a little bit more available to my girlfriends and doing things I like to do. And it was interesting. He came closer to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we had more to talk about. And he was excited that I was excited about some new things. I started volunteering and uh, just being who I am. Yeah, And I believe in a couple situations, you need to be strong emotionally and financially and all of that on your own. And then your partner needs to be too. And yeah. you need to bring it together. Yeah, that's beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about the audiobook process for you. Because I know that the book is written in the first person. And I talk with lots and lots of authors since we produce audiobooks. And often when the book is in first person, there is the assumption that therefore the author must be the one who narrates the book. And so how was that for you hearing me reading as you? Well, Beck, you have a clear, captivating voice. And when I listened to the audiobook the first time, I thought I was reading it for the first time. It uh. was great. Um, 
and you emphasized some areas that I might not have. And it was just it was just great. I thought about narrating my own book for a New York second. And when I realized I did not have the professional skill set to do so, I thought there's only one other person who could do it, and that was you. And and I was I'm so grateful for the fine work you've done. And I would say, unless you are a professional narrator, don't take on that project yourself. Give it to the professionals who know how to uh, narrate audiobooks. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You told us a little bit about being a relationship strategist. Are you doing any coaching now? Or I know that you are working in another job right now. So are you doing any sort of relationship strategy work at the moment? Well, actually, I do one-to-one coaching as needed. Um, I really enjoy helping both men and women of all ages uh, who are at different points on their relationship journey. And actually, they just want to talk to someone who's been there before. Mm. Um, I'm not a psychologist. I minored in psychology, so I don't uh, put myself out there as a professional psychologist by any means. But I'm a human being who's been on this uh track for many, many years. I've made just about all the mistakes that anyone (laughs) could make themselves. (laughs) So I'm happy to be open and honest uh, and share what I've learned and work together with uh, an individual to help them move forward. Yeah, that's great. I think that's really great. I am of the opinion that that while um, getting degrees and you know studying certain areas can be very beneficial in many ways, I think that having the experience and being able to speak from that experience is tremendously valuable. So I think it's great that you're able to be out there for those who are looking for that kind of listening ear and someone who's willing to share their own experiences openly. I've been called the relationship whisperer, like the horse whisperer. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think it's quietly, great. easily guide you along. Yeah. And so, what are you working on now? Are any writing projects in the works, or what's your favorite activities of interest at the moment? Well, my next goal is to do a TEDx talk someplace. Oh. And I'd like to do it on the negativity surrounding relationship searches. And again, I think a lot of people don't realize that they often go into relationships from this negative position. They don't see it that way. But it it was a little bit of an aha for me to realize that in each situation that I entered into, uh, I had that need. And so I'd like to help people break some of those behavioral patterns and move forward in a healthy, positive way. So I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds great. And um, is it okay for you to share what your what your employment is at the moment? Yes, I work for a cybersecurity company. Uh, company so that's a pretty hot market today wow. with all the hacking that's happening. So yeah. that's very interesting to me too. So I have a foot in two places yeah. right now. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Tell us a little bit about how we can best connect with you. Um, do you have a website? I do. It's very easy. It's www.pam-evans.com. All right, great. And do you uh, hang out on any social media that we would like to know about? I do. My Twitter handle is at Ring Exchange. Great. And you can email me at any time at pam at pam-evans.com. 
Oh, that's terrific. Great. So if we have listeners who would like to uh, get a little bit of relationship strategy working in their direction, they could reach out to you. Absolutely. I would love that. That would be great. Terrific. All right. Well, let's take a listen to a piece of Ring Exchange, Life Lessons from a Multiple Marrier by Pamela Evans. If 2020 hindsight is really reliable, why didn't I ever think to use it? Hindsight may not have told me in which direction to head, but it might have helped me see the truth. I always believed each of my marriage failures was the other party's fault, not mine. I even thought my occasional extramarital affair was justified, due to the shabby treatment I was receiving from whatever spouse I was married to at the time. I always chalked up my first and second divorces to my inability to select the right partner. Then, after two more unsuccessful attempts at marriage, I decided that my picker must be broken. Now, gentlemen, don't get the wrong idea here. Notice that I said picker. But it still didn't occur to me to sit down and do the hard work of figuring out why I was choosing so badly. Even my intellectual, highly critical, and notoriously cynical 84-year-old father, God rest his soul, contributed to my lack of reflection about my marriages. After having been widowed twice, once as a young man and then again in middle age, he stumbled through, unsuccessfully I might add, a short-lived third marriage in his later years. He actually dated a lot in his golden years, so I guess he was an experienced serial monogamist himself. On his refrigerator door, Dad had posted, Any fool can start a love affair, but it takes a real genius to end one successfully. I believed that dear old Dad had aimed this tacky quote specifically at me, although I substituted the word marriage for love affair. Thanks for the jab, Dad. But being an eternally positive person, I actually decided to interpret that silly little saying to mean that I was a tremendous success. After all, wasn't I always the lever in my marriages and never the leave-e? And hadn't I been voted most likely to succeed way back in junior high school? Well, I was definitely living up to that accolade, at least in one aspect. I was very successful in ending my marriages. I even showed few, if any, visible scars from the disastrous link-ups, not limited to, but including, my bank accounts. That reminds me of one of Dad's sayings that he occasionally told his four daughters to emphasize that he had limits to tolerating their poor choices in mates. My brother was spared. At least I'll never need to pass Dad's comment down to my kids, since I don't have any. I'll pay for first marriages and first divorces, but after that, you're on your own. And he lived up to his word. I took him up on his offer, and he plunked down $2,500 for my first divorce in 1978. Thanks again, Dad. You know, each time I escaped from a marriage, I was back in the office the very next day, 
just as if nothing had happened. I even knew how to put on a fake smile to go with my polyester suits and costume jewelry. Needless to say, I was so proud of myself for having never seen a counselor, except for the time an abusive ex dragged me into a joint session and I acquiesced to make the letdown less impactful for him. Never had to resort to drugs either, not even for sleeping. Pam, thanks so much for being here with me today. Really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, This is, again, Pam Evans, author of Ring Exchange, Life Lessons from a Multiple Marrier. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker-Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.